Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. Brad. Hey, kid. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Enjoying this nice change of weather. Oh, yeah. It's essential. I was ready. I know. It's a hot summer. And once you get the kids in school, like, I'm ready for fall activities. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to Italy in a few weeks. Dude, where? Roma. Oh, really? Oh, I, I've only been to Rome once. I f- loved it. And do you know that that's where... Kath and I were gonna, that was where we were gonna go on our honeymoon, and we just never really had our honeymoon. Our honeymoon kind of got split up into a couple different things. Come with me. You guys can stay in my room. I wanna go to Rome. <laughs> I really love, I went to Rome years and years ago when a, like an old girlfriend was over there in school, and it was fucking awesome. So I've been, I've been to Rome a couple of times. I was in Rome with my sister when I was in my early twenties and I think she was like in her late teens and we were first on a family trip with my parents. We were like in Sicily and then we left them to go to like Rome and on your own or something on our own. Right. And everywhere, (laughs) every store we went in, they would hear us like talking or cackling or something and they would like take the price and change it to a more expensive price like right in front of us. Like, I'd be like, oh, let me see that bag. And they'd be like, oh, just one second. And they'd like, they'd be like these dumb bitch Americans. Like we totally like take all their money. And I was like, did you just see him do that? And I feel like it was like, uh, that was like that in a restaurant. They had like a night right. fee or like, I was like, oh, what? God. Like, that sucks. no, your taxi meter says this. And they're like, no, no, no there's another fee. I'm like, <laughs> did you guys have like a meeting before the gold sisters like arrived or something? Like I just, I felt like everyone was like on the, on the come up. Dude. So I went to, we were in Thailand this summer too. And it was, there was, it was the opposite. So like halfway through our trip in Thailand, I was reading about, about like, you know, just like the general, the culture stuff. And it was like in Thailand, it's, it's, um, expected that you will, uh, that you will like haggle for the price. It's like a, it's like part, part of the, of the whole culture. Thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And like, we hadn't done that at all because everything was so fucking cheap. Right. But I realized that like the whole time we were there, like people were, they would do it. Like they were like go, disappointed. No, no, we'd go to a guy and be like, okay, like we got four people we need it, you know, for a boat ride. And I go, it's hundred baht each. Right. And, and the guy be like, yeah, hundred baht. And then he'd go, and then they'd be like two children. And like, yeah. And he's like, okay, if children are 50 baht. <laughs> like they would cut the price everywhere we went. Ah. I'd be like, so this is 500 baht, right? Yeah. It's 500 baht. Actually 400 baht. Pay 400. I'm like what the fuck? We You're like, haggle. how about 300? We weren't haggling, so they're like haggling for us. See, you guys need me on your honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're coming with you. I mean, Do you have a big room? Yeah. I mean, I probably not. It's some like- I'm leaving the kids it's graf- behind. It's like a graffiti and like sneaker fest. I doubt, You're going to go I tag the Coliseum? Totally. I'm coming back with like 20 cats. <laughs> and then I also remember like just like all these cat colonies at- uh, the Coliseum, like it was just like insane amounts right, of like right, feral right, cats. Right. And they were like friendly and sweet. And I was like, did you guys know that lions used to fight here? Yeah. That's why eat? we're here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We're they, their descendants. They were like, yeah. We're, they haven't been feeding us and we. We're fucking waiting. Okay. 
We're waiting for our leader to come. <laughs> um, so wait, how long are you going to be there? Four days. Right. Is that the only, you're flying straight over and flying back? I'm flying straight over and I'm flying back. Right. I told them I can't get on a ladder when I paint. Right. I need to be on ground level. <laughs> Don't give Maybe me anything that's low. Give you an Nothing apple low. Totally. I'm going to need an apple picker. Totally. <laughs> um, or, you know, 25 assistants. So you're going to do a piece? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do some shit. Nice. It'll be fun. Um, but before I should I get- probably come with you as an assistant. Totally. You need to. Yeah. We could, There's podcasts to do. I'm going to work it out. Um, the Amo Bradley. <laughs> um, no, I fucking love Italy. And also... I don't think there's anywhere I've been in Italy that I've ever had a bad meal. Like, oh uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's expected. It's all about the manja. I remember loving the table wine too. Every table that you sit so down at, there's a carafe of red wine, just like a bottle of water. Right. Yeah, and that's it was how, good. It was always good. The table wine was good. That's how they do it over there. Hell yeah. Bring um. It on. Yeah, you know, in France, they send kids to school with, like, thermoses full of wine. No way. That's not true. I fucking need to do that. Like, <laughs> listen, I don't want your teacher calling me. Drink this at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I cannot. I also, cannot the French put their children on birth control at age 14. Just do so they you know. really? Yes, no, I'm making up more lies to go with your lies. Well, I'm going to tell something else weird about like French people is that like domestic violence is really like out of control in France. Oh, really? It's like, I didn't know that ridiculous about how many like men, you know, beat their, beat their wives. It's like a huge thing. Oh, so fucking, I do know that they fucking smoke their asses off. Dude, when I was over there, it was like a joke. They smoke so much. They love their cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes are so delicious, but you know, <laughs> I feel them. I don't smoke, um, and I certainly shall not smoke anymore because it is very bad for bone health. But it was fun when it was good. It for was you. fun when it lasted, <laughs> right? And um, you know, my skin and hair look good because of it. <laughs> The little tiny wrinkles I have around my lips. Uh. <laughs> Looks great. Thank you, Siggies. <laughs> Do you know that um, I weirdly went back to smoking after I stopped like breastfeeding? Uh, Just because you could? It's like, what else can I do no, now was, that I don't have to breastfeed? It was, Bring that heroin. It was almost like I was in seventh grade or something, and it was like, oh, this is what adults do. They smoke cigarettes. I'm going to feel like an adult. And I like had like, I would smoke like a cigarette here or there. Right. And um, after just not smoking for like 15 years and being like, I fucking don't smoke cigarettes. Ew, ew, ew. And then it became this thing. And of course, I quit smoking. I would never smoke another cigarette now now that i'm a mother and <laughs> setting uh, an example right i need to set an example i also have um bone injuries that need to heal no more smoking right no nicotine unless i go to france <laughs> but i'm not i'm going to italy <laughs> when was the last time you were in rome a, a long time okay. ago a long time ago well, let us know how it goes i will I i'm will. envious I will. I will i'm gonna i'm going to have your honeymoon for you thank so you don't Thank I will you. report back. I will report back. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm going to have the best time. Um, also, my husband and child are staying home. So it 
is on, <laughs> motherfuckers. Okay? Meet me in Rome. Isn't that a movie? Meet me there. So today's guest is a very interesting, interesting woman. Yeah. She's a journalist. She's also somebody who's like, I believe, a real gatekeeper for the, for the arts. And more in particular for graffiti. And really kind of not street art. She's really like focuses on like real raw graffiti in her career as um, a book publisher and a, a publicist. Right. Um, now, of course, she writes about everyone in town that's hot and puts her like remarkable spin on everything. But she's also a great thinking mind in in. Oh, absolutely. And um, someone who, you know, I was lucky enough to work with, someone I call a friend, and my my very own book publisher, <laughs> Miss Sarah Rosen. Um, enough about all the intros. Let's just get into the... Let's get into the meat. Into, yes. <laughs> into the brajol <laughs> of the podcast. Ciao. <laughs> All right. Um, So today, we are interviewing a very interesting woman, a woman who's done many things in publishing, both as a publisher, publicist, and now as a journalist. Please welcome Sarah Rosen. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me, darling. (laughs) So happy to be here. So Sarah... Let's talk about your idea of what's going on in journalism versus what was going on 10 years ago when there seemed to be less clickbait and more substance. No, there never was substance. It's always a spin, right? It's always like a publicity spin. I think that you'll find if you look, you know, history is a great filter, so what remains is substance. Most of that fad stuff just washes away. But that really is – people act like fake news is brand new when it's always been here. And if you ever investigate, you'll find that the media is basically an arm of the oligarchy and it is a propaganda machine and that corporations are Republican by nature. Indeed. And that the only places you're really going to find – this fourth estate idealistic world are independent publishing because they answer to themselves. They don't have – they're not beholden and they tend to go out of business. Uh, there, there are some still kind of around. A few. But – Are girls at Bust Magazine. Yes. Keeping it, keeping right. it real. Um, and of course they're not um, looked at by advertisers with the same – sort of fervor as as the uh, junk mags or whatever. Well, also because the thing is, again, it's a corporate enterprise. You know, we have this fantasy that the First Amendment and the freedom of the press is some religious, you know, commandment. And that, you know, there's a, in, I think it's A.J. Liebling who said, freedom of the press is only free to the man who owns the press. Indeed. So what is the kind of stuff that, you find interesting to write about in this sort of um, world of 
corporatizing editorial. I mean, I don't really work for any of those people, so it's... You don't, right. I filter it out. And that's why, I mean, I really, like, respect... It's not that I wouldn't. It's just that I don't... I'm not at a place where I'm interested in engaging with that. It comes into my space. you're focusing on on the arts. Yeah, predominantly. And what got you into the your first like publishing job the village voice 1997 internship oh shit <laughs> yeah wow. I go way back actually 96 um so i was at nyu studying journalism because i basically was like i don't really want to work like i just want to hang out and do drugs and party that's where i was in my life oh, and I'm still there and <laughs> girl, <laughs> girl hello and my parents were like you know they're like no that's not a good no idea. they were like a good idea. cover story <laughs> Get an education, and if you, you know, if you chart your resume, your personal life is nobody's business. But I mean, you did, ex- you did exceedingly well in college. I was on your Wikipedia this oh, morning. Yeah, no, yes. I did. I stunted. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Phi Beta Kappa. Yeah, there and we go. that's where all my honors end. Okay, so wait. So mm-hmm. you were like, I'm top bitch. I don't want to work. Yeah. I'm going to The Voice. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Well, you know, so basically I was in school and they were like, you need to do an internship. And I was like, I need to pay you to work for somebody for free. And they're like, yes. And I was like, I'm so glad I am not like on this wave of mortgaging my future and taking it. Because this whole thing, you know, we could talk about colleges, but that's a whole scam in my mind. Another thing that I'm like, people are mortgaging their future. Fortunately, I was in a position where I had to be concerned about any of that. So I was like, okay, what what should I do? And they're like, oh, we have like an internship at the Village Voice. And I was like, word, okay. Like, that shit was so fly. And they were, I was like, okay, I want to do arts. And they were like, well, Vince said that he needs someone to open his mail. <laughs> <laughs> so that was basically You it. grabbed a butter knife and you jumped in. Girl. <laughs> it was wonderful. And basically they had a smoking room and I used to hang out in the smoking room. And that's how I met people like Frank Owen, who was covering the Michael Alec. He was the one who exposed Michael Alec murder. Wow. Just as he was exposing it. And I was like, my friends know your friends. So he's like, hey, why don't you come with me? To, I'm meeting Peter Gation. Why don't you come with me to a meeting with him? And I went with him to the top of the tunnel. I didn't know there was a top of the tunnel. You're like, I got 20 bucks. What can I get? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Girl, I sat there. They played cat and mouse. And I just sat there like, oh, I fucking love this shit. So, you know, I was I was writing nightclub reviews. Okay. I met so I met the, the listings editor. She gave me an expense account to write club reviews. Amazing. And I was like, I'm doing this shit you anyway. Paid to party and then yes, right. And then, I like, wrote a report. few art reviews. And then basically that was just like a six month internship. And then I bounced and uh, what did I do after that? Then I basically ended up at Rizzoli because okay. I was like, okay, I really actually have to get a job. I went in. I interviewed for the position of assistant to the architecture editor. We ran lines from Sunset Boulevard. And then I got <laughs> <laughs> this, That was our interview. We were like, we were like this. This was us in the room just like this. Kiki. We were like carrying on. A month later, I get a call from the head of sales and marketing. Uh, David Morton gave me your number. He was the architecture editor. I'm looking for an assistant. I was like, yo, so you're saying I didn't get that job? <laughs> you're like, I'm in the glam lounge. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, sales and marketing. Like, marketing. What the fuck is that? I didn't know shit about shit. I was like, yo, I studied art history, journalism. I Like, I don't know anything. But I go in to meet with this dude. He's giving me a used car salesman vibe. And I was like, oh, oh. But... Then he said the words that changed my life. He said, people think that publishing is about making books, but it's not. It's about the parties. 
and my ass was like, parties? <laughs> <laughs> I was done. I was in there. And that's basically, I was at Rizzoli for a year. I, like, saw the Powerhouse catalog. I was like, yo, if I could afford to buy art books, I would buy these, but I can't afford them because I work in publishing. So I just was like, whatever. And one day, you know, mutual, they knew somebody, knew somebody. They were looking, Powerhouse was looking for someone because they were like, yo, we're going to go to the London Book Fair and we need someone in the office. So maybe we should hire someone. So I kind of came in. They, they advertised it as a publicist, but I was, like, doing accounting and faxes. You did everything at Powerhouse, and that's where I, where I met you. Mm-hmm. Because I believe it was you who asked me to help do press on Peter Sutherland's autograph book. Oh, hell yeah. Did we meet at the old office or did we meet at the gallery? We met on Varick Street. But was it upstairs or was it in the gallery? Because did you see that ugly, creepy little office? Because we moved. I don't think I ever saw that that office. It probably was in the gallery and I had to go and meet like... Yeah, we, somebody that from was the New it. York Times, girl. Because I remember, because Peter was like, I was like, okay, so Peter, I want to meet these people. He's like, okay, well, I mean, who do you want to meet? And I was like, I want to meet Gaw. So as you were, yeah, and I remember when I met you too, because I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I'm like such a fan. Yeah, like she has an outfit on. She was. She she was. She was I, I got it. dressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was today. <laughs> no, I had an outfit on. Which well, is we very, must have. Very, yes, I, we both had. Yeah, we were on. ready for that. Um. Mm-hmm. So, was that where you were sort of became this sort of gatekeeper and um, lover of graffiti? I mean, because I, how did that happen? Because you championed uh, a lot of graffiti books. Okay, so I don't really think I'm a gatekeeper. You kind of are, though. I'm not. And you keep the, no, you because keep the I don't fire quote, alive a little bit. But There's I don't. Not, gatekeeper suggests that I'm being an exclusive person. I'm an inclusive no, person. No, you're an inclusive person, but you still open the gates for the sort of pedestrians yeah. that don't understand it. I and mean, it's maybe. not like it. Maybe it's not like the insidery, but it's more to like the. The mass. Yeah. The, I feel you. I just think the word has such negative vibes because it's people really? self-inflating. Oh, no, so I, I'm inflating you. Not, okay. It's not self-inflating. It's claw-inflating. No, no, I, I feel you. <laughs> I, I just feel, feel like people— uh, I won't say gatekeeper um, torchbearer. Do you like to prefer that? Like somebody, like, who, like somebody who is keeping the fan, spirit alive. Fan. Fan, but <laughs> it, more than a fan. You're a propagator of, of okay, culture. Okay, I, I like a okay. propagator. Okay. good. Okay. Okay, okay propagator. Like, writing it down. <laughs> okay, give Sarah some props. Propagator. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking Propagate about. Woman, propagator. Yes. So, I mean, it basically, okay, so, you know, you grew up in New York and you just gag. Right? right? Like, it's everywhere. And you're like, oh, my God, who the fuck are these people? Oh, shit. Then I went to the Guardia, and there was, mm-hmm. like, you know, a whole, all the seniors were writers, and, and you were like, oh, my God, the coolest people are graffiti writers. And it wasn't Meanwhile, like— Meanwhile, every single kid in New York City public schools wrote graffiti. I Shout know. out to all you. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But it was, like, the first time that I actually saw a face with a person, and sure. I was, like, meeting people, and I was like, oh, my God, so I want to be down, but I'm not down. So I just, you know, adopted a hand style and wrote in my notebooks and was like, I Do you can't. have beautiful handwriting. That's, you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, I sit on the train writing in my journal and people are like, what language is that? I'm like, word? <laughs> I think it's some like Sarah crazy thing. Exactly. <laughs> That's what's up. So, yeah, so basically, well, okay, so this is how it all started. 
Peter came, Peter Sutherland came in for a meeting with this woman who was basically like, she did the accounts at that point. And they gave her the job of meeting people who, want, who had submissions so that she would feel engaged and like something a little bit more exciting. So I'm sitting there and it was Meanwhile, they just didn't want to hire staff. <laughs> you already know. They're giving her an opportunity of a lifetime. <laughs> you already know. So basically, literally, the office was an open office. It was just a little bit larger than this room. And so she's sitting right there with Peter, and I can't, they have their back to me, but I hear graffiti, graffiti. And I'm doing the like, a word? Uh, why am I? Oh, but you know, I'm not going to roll up and interrupt. So I just wait till he leaves. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, I don't care. Like, I'm, you know, it's graffiti. I don't know anything about it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Judy Chicago. Like, it was a whole other realm. So I was like, yo, show me that. So she shows it to me. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, I'd never seen anything like it. Portraits of people. They signed Portraits of graffiti writers? It was very um, taboo. <laughs> hot. It was just hot. It was like, oh, my God. This is like they're dope photos, this great energy. I'm just so curious. And, you know, I hadn't done anything at that point. I was, you know, a publicist and doing all these other things, but I wanted to make books. So I was like, do, do, let me let me email Peter and tell him I want to help him. So I'm like basically like, let me get him on board, tell him I want to put this project together. Had some meetings with him, told it, like sitting there in the office, like we're going to make this project. And he's like, okay. And I was like, I'm not the publisher and I haven't sold it to them yet. <laughs> So I basically put the whole concept together and I deliver it to the, you know, dudes. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I just want, I want to make this book. You don't have to pay me. I don't give a fuck. I need to make this book because I need to make a book. And I, I know how they are. They're like, if you want to work and you go, like some people will literally block you from your light. Okay. And like, they'll be like, you'll have an idea and they'll be like, that's a dope idea. And we'll either take it from you or block you. But what you're not going to do is come up under me. But Powerhouse, for all of their craziness, were like, oh, bitch, you want to work for free? Shit, hell yeah. Like, go for so, so you had your job there. Yeah. But this was a separate, like, publishing. Yeah, basically. Well, so basically I was, like, project manager. Okay. So I was, like, I put it together. I was, like, okay, we're, I art directed sequence, like, with Peter. We collaborated to make the book production, you know, the little spot varnish on the tags yeah, with the mat. Yeah, no, I oh, know. So it looked, te- like, all these things, the whole concept, everything with marketing, publicity. So it was basically, like, I ran it. And because of that, they basically, like, all, they literally, like, looked at it. But they weren't even like they were like, okay, this looks good. You know, you're making it work. You're making the numbers work. But you that can do book, it. that book really it's was good. a was a game changer <laughs> because that book really piqued interest in graffiti books for the not that they weren't around before, but all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, this is hot. Like, let's. Let's get on this wave. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's on The Apprentice. That's right. I forgot. Remember? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Did I'm it gonna... actually air? Yeah. Was... P- graffiti writers that were hanging out with Donald Trump? Lady Pink and Ernie were the ones who were the <clears throat> battling with the teams. <sighs> it was such a campy episode. The episode was like, ugh. But, I have to find that. But basically, <laughs> yeah, you do. Check my stories out. You do. Weeks, okay? <laughs> no, you really do because there are some really good lines in it. But what happened was after it was on The Apprentice, because it was everywhere in the magazines, you know. Sure. But when it was when this man, who shall be not named, was big upping it, even though he was not a fan, it was like all of a sudden all the marketing people, all the corporate people who watched that show, because this was the third season when it was still kind of hot. I right. Think, I think the show had an edge back then. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered. It did because he was such a jerk and he was such a like buff, like um. 
ringmaster bossy boots queen's douche but like, also, it was interesting because he was such a new york guy like that's what it I was think more new york and it Trump was less celebrity he, like, he new york like swagged this country right. you know what i mean uh, queens, in a weird no, yeah no it is very queens very queens <laughs> queen <laughs> queens get the money <laughs> <laughs> or, exactly but essentially that show was being watched by corporate marketing people there were the because I used to watch that show and play along as a marketing person. Okay. Call the client. What are you doing? Okay. It was like I was interested in it because I was watching it from a business perspective, and it was so DIY back then. It was so much less structured, and it was such a free for all. So basically, that was the turning point. All of a sudden, it was like graffiti. Is it back? And it was like. <laughs> Was it gone? Like I don't, I don't know about y'all, but that, but that really was sort of was a that shift. early two thousands. Yep, was sort of, you know, uh, and then it was like the last. It's like the last New York stamp. But oh, I'm wrong because it's going on like gangbusters now. Like these kids, like oh, they don't care. They? There's like surveillance. They're just doing it. Like go team. Oh. Anyhow, yeah. Um. So. Uh, then you started meeting this like cast of characters, oh, yes. and you really invested your your heart and soul into. You also published a very controversial book, <laughs> which I know a lot of people were upset about. Um, which was sort of th- this guy sort of had a Donald Trump esque like. Uh, monarch kind of vibe right like he's the the last stop on the on the law train oh vandal squad the vandal right. squad i mean i don't book. think he was that fly, well he thought he you. was he I thought i know maybe not to you but like he oh, maybe thought he was people. to like graffiti okay, writers yeah, he was, or something he was probably like play, you know cops will play a lot of different games so he may have been playing it one way to me in other ways but yeah i mean i will say that that was that i was at the end <laughs> of that phase and I had lost my way to be honest in retrospect it was like that project came to me I was out of my depth I had originally planned to work with a graffiti writer to edit it and he dropped out and well, I was sort it's, of it's I should have dropped I rem- it and I didn't no I remember when it came out I was like ugh and then I kind of was like leafing through it recently and I was like oh this is really funny there's some it stories in here it there's some funny. like good stories in here historically um, you know, it it's sort of it, now that I'm not like doing illegal graffiti, I don't have that same like emotional reaction to the Vandal Squad, and now I can really appreciate it. That's um, good because I have a totally different perspective, which is now that I'm a journalist and I'm much more invested in telling a history. I really would either not have done that book or I would have done it much more. Like count, invest- pointer count? No, like- investigatively, because mm. I took a lot at his word. And I'm not saying he wasn't worth his word, but I didn't really have an understanding of police. I didn't really have enough of an understanding of graffiti history. And I was not necessarily, like, I'm not trying to down him. I was not um, I was not up to the level that I think a story on that would deserve to be published. I think it was it was a good vehicle for him and I didn't know enough. And I also but was like I didn't know really how to back up. Was it a good vehicle for him because it didn't just sort of 
it was a go deal. away and it not did, but like people, and he didn't really get like a picked up like I don't know if he wanted like a media career or, no no he didn't but I mean in the sense that people can say I have my legacy okay like, right sure, even sure. if it's not anything more than I actually put my story down and it was published and told it's in that my feeling now as somebody who is looking to essentially write history. Okay. Rewrite history, clean up history, tell the facts, is that I was in a place where I wrote that book as a publicist. And I wasn't necessarily trying to publicize Vandal Squad, but I was trying to basically promote. Right. You're showing showing the other side of it. The Uh, other side of the culture that, you know, that a lot of people don't consider. Okay. And I think that, like, I got basically, because I was invested in graffiti writers, I reached out to everybody who was in that book. I like was like, hey, this is what we're talking about. Do you have a comment? Do you want to correct the story? I was really trying to fact check that shit. So, you know, I talked to Cap. <laughs> like, I, talk, I know. I talked to people. Like, I, t- I tried to reach out to everyone I could. Like, n- it's not that everyone was willing to talk to me. But I made a concerted effort because I was like, I don't want to be sitting here exploiting anyone's name for anything. And I want to try and be fair. But at the end of the day, now at this point in my career, when I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, that's an interesting project, but I'm out of my depth, I back out because I'm not going to put my name on something that I'm not qualified to do. And in retrospect, I'm like, it was, it was what it was. I think the highlight of that book for me was the event. Oh, the event, right? The event was the the event was really the highlight because I took no to that panel. You were like, "Do you want to be on this panel?" I was like, "I don't want to be on that panel. I never want to talk to this cop. <laughs> I don't want them to see me. I don't want to go near them." Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, but I think I think sitting, basically having a cat Steve Mona face off. I mean, amazing was like I really at that moment was like, "Wow, this is really what it's about." Is like getting people in a room to have a conversation that's never been had and getting people who can have the conversation because I'm like, I'm not qualified for this conversation. But getting people who could really dig in, I felt like I was like, Do you shit. have video footage of that? I'm uh, sure it exists. Somebody some, does. Somebody does. Shit. But yeah, somebody does. Cause Holler it was at Miss Rosen. Holler at Miss Rosen. <laughs> 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 but that was I, was, I got chills. You know what I mean? Because I just was like, this is really, this to me was what it was about, was being able to like, a lot of conversations never get had, even though people are talking. Do you know what I mean? Sure. This one's like the Vandal Squad's over here talking, and writers are talking, and people are, but they're not necessarily like some this bringing things together. And the fact that it was contentious, but it was contained. Okay. And that people could actually have a very like you're in a room with like the tension in that room was crazy, and you're in a room like without people without it turning into like Morton Downey Jr. Okay, you know what I mean? Like no chairs are flying, nobody's doing it. But well, they're the fucking cops. Like you can't do that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're throwing yeah. chairs at the cops. Like, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like nobody got nobody lost their shit. People were able to make their points and like get into really intense conversations that I, as the person who helped put that book together, that's what I felt like the book was missing. Okay. That's really what that, like, So it's the point-counterpoint, kind of. It would have been like, maybe it would be an interesting thing, like, this is what happened from this point of view of the, of the you know, arresting officer, and this is what happened from the graffiti writer's point of view, and see where they, like, And even, like, a third like, point of view, like, what does... What was what actually what's mean? on the no, but also what's on the record? What are some what are some because you know it, there's 
this one and that one, and they only see within their frame, but there's also a larger view when you start bringing other sources in. When you start talking with more people, you can fill in a lot more blanks of things that people who were in that immediate moment, because they were so intense, didn't, you, you don't see the full picture. And I just really felt like that event gave me a much deeper sense that I just really didn't have at that time. And I really was like, this is what I, this is what I aspire to. So do you think that graffiti art from someone who's a huge fan is ever really going to get the respect as an overall, not just like the, the handful of, of artists that are in this sort of like upper echelon while we're alive? Or do you think this all of this stuff is going to sort of become important in like retrospect? Well, are we talking about the art world legitimizing I'm graffiti? Not, not I, even just like the public's view, because it. I, I think because it's like free and on the street and just you know an everyday sighting that people sort of take it for granted. But I think historically, if you know, plastic doesn't wash us away or whatever. <laughs> right? Doesn't We're the world still here up in like twenty fifty or something yes, like that? Yes, it's a wrap. Um, uh, like, will, do you think people's perceptions will change of it just being this sort of, uh, common occurrence, everyday, you know, urban sprawl, will it have a much more cultural significance? Only if the art world says it should, because most people only follow what other people in power say is important, and they'll, they're willing to disband their beliefs in favor of a dominant hierarchy. But I think fundamentally this, people care or don't care, graffiti is a really clear line. It makes you make a decision. Like, I knew the minute I saw it, I was like, the fuck is this shit? It wasn't, like, it, it was so aggressive and live, and there was so much energy, and I didn't know what the fuck any of it was, and it was so compelling, and it was exciting, and huh, even now, like, I told you in my neighborhood, like, seeing 17 get up, it's like, woohoo, and I know nobody cares, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, she just got up there, she got up there. People care! No, people I know care. people in my neighborhood don't oh, care. Oh, people in your neighborhood They don't, don't give care. a fuck. I don't even know if they, like... Like I don't, they don't even see it, yeah, right? Because they're so it's so it's like not a, interwoven yeah, it's into like wallpaper. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and but also it's it's in the space, but it isn't necessarily everyone's culture, right? So people opt in or opt out. Graffiti is a clear line of like, do you care? Like you could either care, not see it, because it's like I don't it doesn't I just block it out, just like noise. Like I don't like you know if you hear some noise, everyone turns their head, and I'm like dogs turn their head. I don't hear turn my head when I hear noise. I, like as a New Yorker, I like train myself not to respond to noise because I don't want to just be distracted all the time. That's how a lot of people perceive graffiti. They don't want the distraction, and then there are people who just think it's a blight. I think it's a litmus test of your aesthetic sensibility. How you respond, just like any other form of art, is like, is it noise to you or do you, does it resonate? It has a frequency. That's what really, that's what works for me. So the only way that the public as a group is going to change how they feel, because they really just... It's res- if the art world really like... Yeah, because to- they responded negatively to it, because the frequency that it was bringing back, especially in the 70s, where it was like 
in a train is like, that is psychotic energy. I love it, but it's psycho right. energy. No, you're literally like trapped in a box with, with this crazy like, people like, and the lights went out and there's no AC. Oh my God. That remember? shit was The windows used to be open in the train. But people painted over windows so yes. you didn't see shit. It's that, real estate. Like, you know, I, I mean, I remember... People saying like oh, I can't even see out the window, but that's like a big part, like yeah. in the I know of the piece, exactly. right, right? Right. So basically, the thing was, I could totally feel how people and in that New York that was live as hell, and you could get God just sitting there, like someone just come up and fucking grab your shit, right? I could feel how that nervous energy was the environment that we were in, and added it was just noise, and people couldn't process it because they were just trying to live. But as things shifted, as you know, it became less dangerous or the dangers shifted, really. Um, and graffiti moved into different spaces because that's also a different thing. If it moves outside of that confined coffin underground energy totally. and it's on the walls, it's a completely different thing. But it's one thing if it's on the walls. It's another thing if it's in your neighborhood and you think that your neighborhood has value, right? If you are so... You know, as so many New Yorkers are status conscious and are like, what zip code do you live in? And all of these things matter. Then you want certain status markers. And graffiti is not the marker of uh, the educated, artistic people who are selling at Sotheby's. Right? It's not. It's like, oh, my God, these are black and brown kids who are just out here living in their teens. And they're like, they're wilding. Right? And then you find out they're all like white, (laughs) middle class. (laughs) like. But they're not even—they're not trying to find out any of that shit. So the thing is, and because the government so targeted and went so hard to make that the crime, like even when we did that in New York Times story, there was so much pushback to that New York Times story. Oh, I know. I remember it was like I was like, yeah, I was on the low and I was writing a lot of graffiti and I was like, okay, can I get in and out like without them? And um I think after that, that's when you started pushing me to do a book. And I was like, nah, Sarah, I'm still painting. I'm still painting. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of pushed it off for a couple of years. And then a friend of mine was like, what are you, you doing? You still fucking painting? Like, <laughs> it's like Brad. <laughs> um, uh, but I was talking. It was really – it was our girl, Kathy Bennett, who – uh, she was like, you should just do the book. You don't need to paint anymore. Like, these girls need to know about you. It's And she was the one who convinced me to drop the can and pick up a pen. <laughs> 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 and you, Sarah, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And that book, I mean, don't mind if I say so myself, went gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Was in every magazine under the sun, sold out in six months. Occasionally, I'll find, like, a bunch of cheap copies on Amazon, and I'll, like, buy them because I'm, like, hoarding them. Because yeah, <laughs> we still sell them. But I find, like, I also find them on Amazon for $300. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh. I know. Come to the store. It's only first 100. edition. <laughs> Girl, first edition's a first. Ed- there's a only first one. edition's a first edition. There's some very cute pictures of Brad in that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, uh, why do you think that book got so much attention? Because that I was a woman. <laughs> was that like? Was that the? Sh- was that the? You know, mitigating factor? Oh, no. no, Mitigating is the wrong word. Yeah. Was that the um, 
was that the attraction to to the book, the idea that— I think it was bigger than that. You happen to be a woman, and that's unusual, but it's not like these people have enough depth of understanding of graffiti to be like, oh, my God, a white girl from Queens. Like, they're not—they don't have that knowledge of where to put you into the game. It was—yeah, that's an element, and that was like, you know, sparkle. But— we were talking about style, fashion, graffiti, music, bringing all lifestyle. It was a lifestyle book. It was a lifestyle And book. most people weren't making graffiti as a lifestyle. But you are a lifestyle. You know what I mean? The way that you live. Get on my wave, yo. <laughs> <laughs> right? That also, at that point, both of us were in places where we just, knew, like, it, at the end of the day, is a game, right? So you're in or you're out of the game. You knew people, I knew people. So we could cover the waterfront. Right. You knew all these folks. I knew all these folks. People wanted to be down. Also, back in that day, there was so much less content. There was so much less content. And yeah, you could publish a book. You could publish Still. a book and people would, like, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, like, look at it, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. not just, like, leave it on their table. Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too. Because there was so much less content, there were were, – sources were so important because you knew that certain people could deliver and that you were like, oh, I have a hole. I got to put something in it. Or I'm looking for something. Who am I going to go to? Like I knew at a certain point one day I came back – one year I came back after New Year's. And like at 4 p.m., I got like five major publications going, what do you have? And I was like, oh, is this how it goes? You come back, you settle in, and then you're like, I need content. Right, like, let's call, right, let's call Sarah because Sarah's got, like, and her I just finger was on like, the pulse. Oh, okay. Like, I, that made me realize, I was like, okay, I have credibility with these people because they were like, I'm, you know, I am just going to go to a source that is going to, I don't know that I'm going to use anything she has, but I know that she's on the top that I want to research if she has anything. And it's the same way I do it too. Like when I'm looking for stories, there are certain people I go to first because I'm like, you're good. You're, I, I might not get anything, but I know to tap that well. Okay. So that's really, okay. So basically I think, you know, at that time it got a lot because also you had traction and I had traction. And when you build that up, and, right, it and was like explosive. And there is it was it was when that book came out, it was crazy town. Yeah. I was traveling around the world, going to book signings, magazines, this, that. Um I was outfitting Who's MIA. Oh, girl, yeah. I came out with my Nike, like two thousand seven. That was my year. That was yes. the year I peaked. <laughs> yes, girl. Okay. Shout out to two thousand seven. <laughs> girl, also like that, like you know, like I said, that era, that was a posh era. That was what? When did we crash? Two thousand eight, right? Right. No, it that was, was it that was, was nineteen twenty eight, girl. Yeah. No, no, no. Those were those were good times. Two thousand seven. It that, just like didn't. That, you didn't see the well getting in between, dry. like right. the nineties dot com crash and the real estate crash. That ten year window also was. I, there was a small window where everything went digital, like in terms of how you produce content, and everything went to China. So there was a boom in illustrated book publishing. There was. Like, it went from five publishers in the 90s who did 85,000 copy print runs because there were no books, and everything was very square. The form, every, all the aesthetics were really, mm-hmm. you know, oh, everything looked like a school book, right? And it was like, and that's what it was because that's, that's how art books had been done for a long time. And then, basically, with the start of DAP bringing in European books in the 90s. Okay. And Powerhouse starting. And then other book, other publishers started appearing on the map, and they could afford to do small print runs, and they could put all this content out. And all of a sudden, you were getting 
books like The Way Nan Golden would publish, but it wasn't a one-off. It was like you could keep finding these small, wild art projects and do these, like, labors of love. And it wasn't like they necessarily paid for themselves. You would do a nice square book to pay for everything else. Sure, sure, sure. That's, I mean, that's how it is. But you could produce much more of, like, in a world where... Edgy, edgy content. And in books at a time where print was, like... There were so many shifts in print, but I think this one window where, like, design had moved forward, content had moved forward, photography was peaking in a way that I just think that photography has been – what has gotten on? It's not that photography itself has been narrow. What has been put on as photography and art was very narrow up until the 90s. And then there was just a much bigger explosion in terms of what started becoming public and what became content. And when you put it in a book form where all of a sudden you were like, affordable art, okay. Okay. Like, here's the thing. You can't spend $6,000 on a print, most of us, right? But you could spend $60 on a book if you had to have it. And people keep books like they keep art. Don't crack the spine. Clean your hands. Right. Like, you don't, like, you put it on the coffee table, but don't you damn put it in coffee near that table, right? It's, so it was affordable art. It was edgy. And it was before this glut of digital content, which people can consume all day but you have nothing at the at the end of the day you're like i have nothing <laughs> right you it's like junk food that's yeah. like the internet you know what i mean it's like just it's tastes delicious and then you have diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> um how can uh, how do you think we can bring internet standards up or like because there's no expense on the internet. I mean, except for obviously the people that are doing the work, but like for the viewer. Right. There's no expense. They're, they're, you know, easy to sort of not read and just sort of scroll. Like, right. Scroll and like pick out the visuals that are exciting for you. Like, obviously, people are still printing books and making books and books are still this um, momentous sort of mm-hmm. calling card and milestone in someone's career. That's why oh, a lot yeah. of people self-publish and they, <laughs> they need to do that for themselves so that they can feel of a certain status, right? I should take my book yeah, about seagulls. And you're like, <laughs> oh, you self-published this, I say. It's good. <laughs> Very nice. Um do you do you see there being a shift that people will want to go back to the book because they actually like physically own something and they can reference it? I I want to buy more books. Right. So I mean, here's the first on the thing about like internet content. People have an illusion that democracy is some noble thing and that Giving people the right to choose means that every that the the tides will go up. Like they're not. <laughs> if you give people, they people will show who they truly are. If you give them the freedom to be who they are, and so the reason that a lot of content is mediocre is that it's satisfying. It's what people want, and I'm not here to judge because I like some mediocre shit too. So like everyone, everyone likes what they like, right? The thing is that with the internet, the gatekeepers, the people who are controlling. It all goes back to it being a lot of the stuff is corporate, corporatized. What is not allowed to be shown on Instagram, right? Right. And what is that girl's dead body was up there, but she can't show dick, right? Right. Okay. So what 
what these corporations are deciding is a lot of the factor, and they're they're reading algorithms at the same time too. So the, there's a lot of reinforcing a reinforcing cycle with what is happening. Well, I here. think the, that right, like all this data mining, and they're like, oh, I'll use myself as an example. Oh. She just bought an inflatable pool <laughs> and she just bought um, a set of knives. And like, do these relate? Is she going to stab the pool with these knives? Like, <laughs> it, like, it doesn't make sense. There's a randomness. And I almost think, you know, that this like ho- whole idea that they're like trying to like mind control you. Like, hey, you just bought these knives. Don't you want some other knives? No, I don't want. I bought knives. I'm good. <laughs> I know, like, that's crazy. <laughs> you're like, I'm out. Do you think they'll be able to sort of figure this stuff out? Yeah. AI teaches itself. Like, we're like, I've, I've done minimal amounts of research and writing on things about AI and robotics and where people are heading. And this is, this is the fundamental thing about Western culture. It's not broken. Let's break it. Right. This whole thing capitalism relies on breaking what works in order to sell you something that will further break things down because they don't actually fundamentally believe in the natural world. This is just my belief. See, I think capitalism tells you that you have this image of yourself. Oh, I'm... I would use that kind of garbage can. It's a uh, stained, uh, you know, glass design. It goes with my whole thing. Like that, I need that because that's me. And so you, you're just always perpetuating this image that you you can't ever, like, live up to completely, mm-hmm. right? And, but, like, you know, having these knives or having this garbage What's can. What's up with these knives? I don't know. I just bought <laughs> knives. I just bought knives. And Is I everything had, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I need to s- cut freaking fruit, okay? Yes. It's summertime. <laughs> it is. I'm with you. <laughs> I have some dull-ass knives. I need a knife sharpener, okay? All right. Change Algorithm. Hear it. Here it <laughs> knife okay? sharpener. Yeah. Okay, cheap, cheap. Under $10, okay? <laughs> Um, so you're, you just never can sort of like, oh, I, I wear those, I'm that type of person to wear those kind of sneakers. I need that. And I need this, you know, new makeup that doesn't, uh, give me pimples because I need to be, you know. Well, it's all this too. It's like, you know, we, the shift that's happened since the eighties is brand identity and branding. And so first people got into brands and now the culture is I'm a brand. And now as somebody who actually once said I am a brand when I started Miss Rosen Editions, I spent the past decade unbranding. People are all obsessed with rebranding. I'm like, yo, unbrand, unbrand because here's the thing. When you brand, all you do is get to the top of the short ladder. You are on top of the short I ladder like, bitch, you. my life isn't over and there's nowhere to go. Am I supposed to climb up this short ladder over and over again or just hold on here while the wind comes and tries to knock me over? Right. And people will stay at the top of that rather than just get the fuck off the ladder because that shit is a fucking scam. It is a scam. It's and all a scam. And it's okay because, the, I mean, it's okay in the sense of like just on a philosophical level. It is what it is. In order for this system of capitalism to function, you have to keep basically misleading people into believing that money is the solution to the problem instead of money is the cause of the problem. Everything that we are in now from climate change on down is related to greed. It all goes back to like, this is a motherfucking sin. You are feeding into the most virulent, 
ugly side of people, and you're telling them that if they feed that part, that that will solve the problem that is so much more profound and cannot be solved through any of this shit. The things that are all the answer cannot be commodified or monetized. And you can't fucking fix it by fucking basically going outside of yourself. You have to go inside yourself and break down a lot of shit. This is what I spent the past decade doing. Breaking through all this nightmarish fucking brainwashing to be like, okay, you know what? Not only was I misled by people I trusted, but it turns out I don't know shit about shit. And that's why I'm a miserable fuck. That's why I keep going in a direction that does not fucking work. But I it's terrifying to realize you don't have answers and no one fucking around you has answers either because they are also waylaid by the system and they everyone is trying to like hold hands and convince themselves that if we just do it their way harder and they're sitting there counting their money being like sucker Sarah Rosen for president me <laughs> <laughs> and Marianne I'll just be your vice president getting freaking schooled over here um Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes. Uh, it, it's interesting how people um, want to be brands. And it's funny because I am a weird brand. I feel reduced as a person. Yes. I am like, I am reduced to being a brand, okay? Like, I'm actually a human. Like, And that's how people will treat <laughs> you. Because like I said, motherfuckers are all tricks. That is the law <laughs> okay, of there nature. They're <laughs> motherfucking trick motherfuckers. <laughs> they are. They're all fucking tricks. And the thing is, they will sit there and be like, yo, I have the money, so I have the power to control. And the thing is, you just got to fucking be like, but you a trick, bitch. And you can't be the hoe. You got to be the pimp. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't be Obviously. Like this, because yeah, capitalism, I mean. look, here's at the end of the day, capitalism is pimps, hoes, and tricks. That's it. So if you're going to be in that game, you play that. Or you Ooh, just break fuck the it game. down, girl. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> or just fuck the game. Like, those are the options. But the reality is well, most how, of us aren't how, going off the grid. Right. How do you sort of... Get out of the confines of capitalism in New York City. Okay, we need money to live, to eat, pay our bills, right? You don't. The reality is you don't. If we're if we're like here's the thing. Like the only way to escape this system is to go somewhere it doesn't exist, which is not America, and where does America not have hegemony? I don't fucking know the moon. Nope. Still got a flag <laughs> up there. Okay, so they're all celebrating fifty years we put a flag on the fucking moon. Go. Okay. This I mean, I can't see it. <laughs> I, I don't see any flags at all. It's not there. Yeah. It's fake but news. The reality, yeah. The reality. <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, but the reality is if you're in the system, then it's like, how do you fucking survive on a plane that's going down? Not everybody dies in the crash, but you're on a plane. This shit is going to crash and we are all on it. So the first thing is be like, oh, this fucking plane is going to crash. Now you can get hysterical. You right. could be in denial, or you could be like, bitch, what do I fucking do? Right. And that's Where's really my floaty? Where's my flotation <laughs> device? 
<laughs> like you put the goddamn oxygen on and you actually have to stop. Here's the thing. I can't answer that because I had to answer that question for myself. And I could tell you how I did what I did, but that's not your answer. Because I don't have your conflicts. I could share with you and say this is this is what I did. And I'd be happy to share any of that shit because I don't like sitting on information that's like, what the fuck? But the reality is at the end of the so day. So tell us what you did. I'm curious. Yeah, okay. I'm okay, saying, Brad is curious. We are curious. <laughs> All right, so Heal us. first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it right there. <laughs> I can't do that. Salvation is a personal thing. Right. Look, we are doomed as a species, but everybody has personal salvation. We're going down. This shit's a wrap. I'm not even trying to be fatalistic, nihilistic, or negative. Everything I mean, goes extinct. I mean, we're poisoning extinct. the earth. No, but we're everything goes like, extinct. And also, it's Newton's third law. Of physics. Everything has an equal and opposite reaction. It does. Bitches out here are doing all this shit thinking like, it's cool because I, I thought I wouldn't be here when the, when the kickback came. It turns out we're already getting the kickback right now and it's going to, it's escalating at a speed. So people, anyway, point is this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, I can't even, I don't even have the information to say it. But the reality is while the plane is going down because bitch, this shit is on fire and it's a wrap. You better work on your soul. That's right. And quick that is thinking. <laughs> quick thinking and uh, soul searching immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like basically heal yourself. The, all this stuff starts with being like, oh, my God, this is on me and no one can do it for me. That shit is shocking and terrifying because you are literally like, oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> so societally, yeah. we cannot. I don't know it, about it's that. It's individualistic. I, oh, like okay. you save yourself and and don't try to well, like I, No, it. I wouldn't say that either. Okay, because that's the thing. There's too much of this American individualism, and that's part of the poison, too. It's not a, like there's there's levels to where this is. It's not like, yo, fuck all y'all. I'm going to fucking take this lifeboat and good luck to you. That's it's, how I would be. I'd be yeah. like, <laughs> you got it. I'd be like, I grab it. But, <laughs> all right, just my piece. But that's the thing. It's like right. there are levels to <laughs> there are levels to it. There is like, first of all, you can't. It's like just like the oxygen thing. You're going to run out of oxygen trying to save other people. First, you got to. Focus, get yourself straight, and get your head screwed on right before you mislead people into wherever. But at the same time, as you're doing stuff, it's not like we live alone and we're as hermetic as I am. I still engage with people. People engage. So the thing is to engage with people on a deeper level. Most people sit around and they talk about other people. They talk about events, but they don't ever fucking get into real ass shit. I'd be sitting here all day. I would all just want to have soul searching conversations, which is why I interview people all day, mm-hmm. because it's the only time you could ask people questions that instead of feeling that you're transgressing boundaries, they go, oh, God, that's an interesting question. And they're like, damn, you really care about some deep ass shit. And I'm like, hell yeah, like because I'm looking for answers. And what do you think? What have you found on your journey? Or what does this bring up for you when I ask you these questions? That shit makes people so uncomfortable to do socially because people get really what they do is. Well, there's they, a sheep mentality, right? Well, like if you don't have the stock answer um, and you say something controversial, like people hold you to it. And that the, this is like yeah. the new sort of uh, – and it's being fired onward by the media. You say something wrong or you change your mind about something – that these, I don't even know what to call them. The public, public it's will the public. drag you. Hell yeah, 
<laughs> they will never forgive you. They want you to squirm and suffer, and and some of it is good because it's like you know, you know, pointing a light on some really disgusting people. There's also people. It, it's almost like you're not allowed to evolve, and that they in a, in people a weird are frauds. way. Look, and people are frauds. When people get busted for shit, instead of owning it and fucking being like, "Yo, I fucked up. Right. Here's why. I don't have answers yet, and I'm working, but I will not fucking throw anyone under the bus for my mistake." Very few people will come with that fucking level of vulnerability to be like, "You are fucking right." Shout out to the real ones. Yeah, for real. It's, for real though. Shout out to like, the real ones. To, for me to be like, I I knew when Vandal Squad went down, something was wrong, and like now in retrospect, I can be like, I see what I did, and I can I'm not uncomfortable with it because it's like it's the truth, and I could go into deeper parts of it. But the bottom line is, to be like, I was at a place where I was not what I thought I was, and I was making cover-up stories, and I got busted for being a fraud. Look, this is a fraud culture, and people are terrified to be exposed. And on top of that, people fundamentally, this is, people really struggle. Like, I'm not a bad person. I did a bad thing. Bitch, you are a bad person. Own it. Like, I could be like, I have been a terrible fucking person, and I can fucking own it. I am not, I don't like it. I am ashamed, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, like, you could separate what I did from who I am. That is who I was. I own that shit. And the thing is— But can't, I mean, but can't, can't you make mistakes? I mean, isn't that— of course you Part can. of life. But you can't write off a mistake without owning the fucking truth behind okay, the mistake. Okay, I, I agree and with that. And so many people are like, I made a mistake. Let's move on. Bitch, no. You, everything equal and opposite. You got to go fucking back. You can't just move forward. And everyone's like, I just want to move forward. And like, bitch, that is also, that shows you haven't grown because if you really know that this shit was wrong— it's called, you gotta fucking, there's a word for it, I'm spacing on it, but you gotta fucking do the work to, and you gotta let people have their drag because that's who they are. They're in a place where they want blood. This ain't no different than yeah, the but, damn uh, Roman Colosseum. They feed the Christians right, to the lions. Hi- but it's, it's almost like they're hide, there's people are hiding in the bushes, Hell waiting yes. to pounce, waiting human for people nature. to fuck up. But, before okay, the fake press. We we all know, right from the beginning of time. This is this is the uh, the hand of 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 the powerful people, right? Um, used to have like a positive spin. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> right? like, girl, no, now, that's not true at all. But it's only it, positive if you wasn't coming for you. In my mind, it used to be like, it oh, wasn't. I'm trying to have a positive spin. I'm trying to see the good in this. I'm trying to, but they weren't. They really weren't. Right. They That's were, like they somebody were. watching Birth of a Nation being like, yo, that was a good movie. That shit from day one. If you if it wasn't coming for your neck, that's just because you weren't looking at whose neck it was coming for. Right. These motherfuckers. Look, when they talk about that ad that Trump took out in the Central Park Five and the, yep. that whole shit, where is anyone saying the New York Times took their money? They are complicit. What has the New York Times done? They are com- they took the New York Times ran that ad. Yeah, Trump did that. That's who the fuck but he it, is, right? But it's also everyone is advertising. Part. You don't have to take money. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to print that shit. And has anyone put them been like, what? Where's that fucking money, bitch? 
No one, like, not a motherfucking one. <laughs> Yo, but what is it? Have they even come forward to say we were wrong to take his money? Yeah, has, no, no, you're right. They, I mean, this is, this, and here's the thing. We can all sit here and point to Trump because that, you know, I, in no way am I trying to say that. I'm just saying that bitch ain't alone. That bitch has many, many motherfuckers that nobody's pointing at. And the thing is, look, of course there are people waiting. They are lying in wait. Some of them are completely right to wait, lie in wait. Some of them are predators lying in right. wait. Right. Human nature never fucking changes. And these motherfuckers are what they are, and they've always been this way. The fact that they, the powerful, sold us a scam that there was ever a better time than this time today is a fucking lie, girl. We as women— I mean, come on. There is no better time than today. No, there as is As evil none. as this world is today, there is no better time. Absolutely. As, it's be, it's obviously a hundred million times better than it was. And so the, Even ten years ago. Everything. Okay. But the thing is, they will always fucking try to sell you that, like, somehow— you're losing something because that is the whole capitalist mind fuck. The scam is to always make you think that you could, they could give you something better and that you're always at a disadvantage. When all of us living in this fucking country, this evil <laughs> country, right? What we are doing to this planet, what we are doing to everybody on this planet, the earth, all of this shit. We are the ones in an advantage, and we're sitting here crying like victims. Oh, my God, what about growth? I fucked up. Bitch, yeah, you fucked up. Right. I fucked up. I Man, until people, when they get busted, fucking own it. Yo, and then people will be like, oh, that bitch is fucking for real. Like, people are looking for the day that someone gets busted and is fucking, like, legit. And, like, they're like, oh, that's a fucking example of how you fucking do it. But until they see the realness... That's yeah, because these like publicists and all these other like idiots get involved and they say don't say anything or like and there's um other power at play and um yes, I agree with you. Scam. Own it. Apologize. Look, it's it's apo- an it's an important uh you, tra- there's trait a lot of have. things like and not just an apology because an apology is like is words and words are cheap and it's like you gotta fucking actually do that by changing your behavior changing how you think changing how you live and you gotta be like man maybe nobody will ever fucking forgive me and you know what I had it coming I know that there are people who never forgive me I had it coming I could tell you all the reasons why X Y Z it still doesn't matter you fucking did that you own that you don't you don't get to erase your record. Like, that's the thing. And people are so, we are so taught that, like, oh, my God, it's like you don't ever have to be responsible for anything. All right. But that's a lie. But, <laughs> oh, okay. So let's go back to internet culture. People do things because there is literally no retribution. They can say things. They can threaten people. Death threats. This, there's, you know. But now, what we see consistently is justice is nonlinear. Mm-hmm. People believe that because retribution is not a one-to-one correlation, that karma don't come. But of course it does. They're gonna get. They're gonna get gagged. That's all I'm gonna say. They're gonna get gagged one way or another. And even if they go through this life, and I know some evil motherfuckers who died, and they don't. They thought. They thought. And I'm like, okay, we can all believe whatever we believe about what happens after. But I I am a hundred percent for my own. They're not sanity. unhappy. They're not yeah, unhappy. I'm not even like yeah. I'm not even on a heaven or hell thing. But I'm completely like, you're a fucking demon. Well, also the way you think of them, right? It it's not like a glowing you're like, yeah, good, you know. 
Yo, it's just this. People can people can be in denial and die. That doesn't change reality. Reality don't give a fuck what the hell you think or say or do. Reality is the ultimate get God. Right. And you want to play with that? I don't want to play with that because I lived enough in reality. No facts is facts. <laughs> I lived enough in reality to be like, oh, my God, my card keeps getting pulled. Oh, my God, I'm a fucking asshole. I don't want to be an asshole. Even if I think I'm right, I don't want to be an asshole because this shit. Well, sometimes you have to be an asshole. But I don't. Yo, I feel like this. I can't. You're like, you'll pull the asshole out when you have to, but you don't the want to. That's not like you're like every but day. But also the reality is like I when you know your true character and you know your personality, you know what you can tolerate. And there are things that I just am like, I'm too old to tolerate trauma. I can't fuck with it anymore. I've had my fucking fill. Sure. I'm done with it. I am not, I'm not living through it and I'm not bringing it to anybody and I will own anything that comes in my past and I'll be like I have to pay for it and I have to pay for it to the end of my days that's fine but what I will not do is sit here and pretend that that shit is like is just I you if you live in denial you're gonna gag and the thing is I know this about people they're miserable I don't know why when you come to this earth that you would stay in a state of hell in your own fucking body if you could leave it well, it's a, you know, from day one, and there's a John Lennon song, which I'm sure you don't know because you fucking hate John Lennon. Or you used yes. to, he used to hate My the people. Beatles and like John Lennon. Yes. I was like, what? Yes. Anyway, uh, we got. But they like they say like from like the time you're born. I can't. I, I, yeah. Forgive me. For not knowing the the words uh, correctly, but it's like sort of like from the day you're born, they expect you to follow these rules. And when you don't, they like beat you down. It's a lot of songs like that. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so name, name another. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, I apply it to like my child, right, who – doesn't care about any of these bullshit rules. He wants to do what he wants to do. He's got ideas and he wants to, you know, self-actuate, you know. Um, that's how he learns. That's how, right, that's how he learns. But my particular child is extra, very, you know, very demonstrative child. Um, you can just say it. He's a boy. He's a boy. <laughs> I got one, too. Yeah. I know the deal. And uh, it, it's just like, oh, you got to stand in line. Oh, you got to do this. You got to follow this. You got to say this. You can't talk like that. You can't yell like that. You can't jump around and have fun because you want to. Like, they were like, you know, he's running in the halls. And I'm like, yeah, he's in second grade. Like, <laughs> why, like why are you calling me, bitch? Like, for real, though. I'm like, I'm like, I've gotten so, I'm like, you're like, really? Why are you running calling me? You're the school. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got him till 2.30. Don't call me. Yeah. Like, I'll handle the rest Deal of the Deal with it. I'm not going <laughs> to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, there. Uh, it's, the world is oppressive. Society is oppressive. Hell yeah. And... Uh, Sort of the, this whole new idea of like there's 95 different genders and there's like, right, I feel like that is uh, like so oppressive and putting people into boxes and, you know, like hyper, you know, categorizing things and um, not giving you the autonomy to just be you like 
Right. Am Wait, I so trans? You, so because I feel like very like masculine at times. Am I like? Do I have to like identify so you, as a trans man? So wait, no, just fucking me. So you think that this new rainbow of sort of of descriptions is is actually more puts you more in a box? It puts you more in a box than. Uh, it, but at the same time, if you want to box yourself in, box yourself in. Like I'm all about that, and I respect your choice to hyper. Uh, clarify right exactly who the fuck you are you know i'm this with this i'm that with that like and also what about like evolve evolving because i'm very different than i was five years ago even 10 years 20 years it's almost like if i look back 20 years ago i can't even believe that was me and you know you know you knew me then right and don't you feel similar like, weren't you, right? And don't you feel similarly? Aren't you different than you were 20 oh, yeah. years ago? Like, 10 okay. years ago, 5 so years ago, even last year, right? But here's the thing. Like, yeah, society is totally oppressive. Absolutely. So many rules are wrong and false and, like, completely designed to keep people in line. And so many people want to play by the rules because they think that they're going to get ahead playing by the rules. Well, again, you're going to get to the top of the short ladder, bitch. Right, right. Enjoy the view. Like, you, totally. Like, that's the thing. What people are trying to do now is break out and find new paradigms. Now, you might not needing that the way they do. Correct. Feel like, right, right, yeah, right. I think because that's I, the, right, I, I can identify in a different way. Here's right. the thing. I, like, I don't understand stuff, but I don't judge things I don't understand. I may have an opinion, and I'll keep that shit to myself because it's mostly ignorant and it's reactionary, and it just says a whole lot about me and my limitations. Absolutely. But the thing is, I do think that there is something to the fact that people are desperate to find an identity in a place that tries to conform them when they don't fit into anything and that they are struggling because there's such a I agree with that. Of, I agree there, with that. Okay, language is a huge problem because there are so many bad terms for things that people are, react to the words more than the idea because people can't deal. The idea is challenging enough, then the word is wrong, and then people get stuck, right? And then they're like lost in something, and then they're like, I'm against it because I can't get my head around anything. And I'm like, you're just saying I'm I'm ignorant and I don't want to learn, which is totally okay. Just say I'm ignorant and I don't want to learn. That's a completely acceptable position. I mean, that's America. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? They're like, "Uh, okay, I don't. But the other reality is this. Except that they're also proud of it. Yeah. But the other reality is this. Survival is fucking hard. We don't know what people are surviving. And if people aren't ready to look into and accept things that have nothing to do with them, that's completely okay that they're like, I need to be ignorant. You don't have to be malicious. You don't have to be hateful. You could just be like, I don't give a fuck and I don't want to give a fuck. But you can also keep that shit to yourself. People's biggest problem is like the idea that because they have an idea, they need to share. The fuck? And here's the, it really comes down to this. There's a huge need for attention that people are not getting. So why does it seem like more than ever that people will really like do anything for attention and and really like play themselves and embarrass themselves put themselves in a really bad light just to be seen because the medium is there they would have done this at any time all we are seeing is human nature amplified okay through technology and the other thing is the amplification is like a circuit right 
the more you see something, the more it reinforces something. And the more you feed your attention, the more it retells something. It's a confirmation bias. So the technology basically just makes people more of what may have been there and may have been repressed or held back, but it amplifies it and it gives people who are struggling an easy out to avoid. People eat junk food instead of eating vegetables because once you develop a taste for something that's unhealthy and you don't know how to heal that unhealthy part, you're just going to keep pursuing that because you don't have a taste for health. And like this is completely, the thing is, everything that's happening is a revelation about the deeper issue that is going uh, it's like it's all in plain sight, but we're all going to like look at the appearance of things instead of the underlying issue because the underlying issue is ugly, gruesome, and potentially unsolvable. There are people who very will go scary. through life. It's very scary. There are people who go through life with levels of trauma and things in their mind that they don't know how to heal. Nobody knows how to heal and may never heal. They may be living with conditions just like you have illnesses. You may have mental situations that you don't know how to heal and nobody is helping you and is exacerbating. And the- at the same time, there have been traumas through the ages. And it seems, it seems, and I'm not, you know, this is not factual data accurate reporting it's here. It's yeah. right. <laughs> Love it. That there have been people that have gone through trauma and they can get through life. It seems like the young people now are blaming, like, everything is trauma, everything is depressing. And at the same time, I feel it. I feel it for them. They're growing up in a, in a world that seems is going to end yep. and there's no answer in sight and that no one, you know, is doing anything about it to, to help secure their future yep. and... You know, even me, I'm buying knives on Amazon, which is, you know, I read this whole thing. Like, if you don't choose one-day shipping and you do three-day shipping, it's so much better for the environment. I mean, I think that's where we really fucked up is when we gave uh, online retailers an incentive to sell things cheaper than you going to the knife store. And going and doing the actual work that they do, but it's cheaper for me to buy it online and have it delivered with no tip, no, no like it's crazy. And obviously, it's capitalism. So, uh, just to go back, because we weren't there, we love to make presumptions about how everything was better when we weren't there. To there's there's no sure they reason. were dumping sewage into the uh, oceans, you know, fifty years ago. Like there's no, but like talking about, you know what I mean. I remember there being a huge fish scare when I was yeah. a kid. But talking about like, people yeah. like people living through trauma and they were better, like that there's no evidence that they were better and there is evidence that trauma is genetically passed down. It absolutely. So there's no there's no way that we should ever presume that any time was ever better or that people were ever in a better state or there's no if you actually look at history everything looks so much more grim and gruesome and the fact that people had to live with trauma and weren't allowed to work it through it or heal it is disgusting it actually sounds like this planet is hell it sounds like you were like you had to suck that shit up and that's supposed to be better that shit drives people to physical mental illness it destroys families and lives it destroys the planet so why, why we live here is an inheritance mental, of that so why isn't mental health 
um, a priority in people's lives. And why There's is it such like it's the stigma and the and the shamefulness there, of it, right? And also like the thing the reality is if you are ever as somebody who deals with that, right? If you are ever like, I don't have control over my mind, forget what other people think. The trauma of knowing that you are not in control, that you are not driving the car. The the trauma of living with that knowledge. Forget sharing it with anyone. That shit is a fucking burden because there's no in my mind there is no actual solution besides you going in there and digging it out your damn self right like i'm not saying that is the only solution but that's what i know to work and the I, thing is i that agree with you when you disgusting. yeah no 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 it's the, the very thing is, hard mental health, and the, there is no problem when you look at people who commit suicide like anthony bourdain like, I look at that and I'm like, what you found out was you didn't solve the problem and you can't live with it anymore. So as somebody who is living with it in their 20s and their 40s, to know that you still might kill yourself when you're 60 is the reality of what it is to live with mental illness. That you you may never solve it. You may die with it. You may have to kill yourself to solve it, right? That shit, forget that the rest of the world can't hear this reality. That you are living with a death sentence and that you're, like, supposed to actually function and that you don't have necessarily the language or the understanding of how to communicate. It's taken me so long to figure out how to communicate any of this shit. And also the fact that I can sit here and not I actually mean, be crying because if we did this two years ago, I'd be <laughs> telling you everything. But I'd be here crying and I'd be like, I'm fine, but it's okay. I just have to get – because I'm literally, like, at this point now – I will literally like oh, I see think you about shit. Up. You're no, up. no. Like <laughs> I will literally think about shit, and I will just cry through it. And I'm like, oh, it's actually like I'm vomiting. I have now gotten to a point where when I process, right? Stuff, so you're purging this. Like, it comes out as tears, but the thing is, if you don't see tears and emotions as the equivalent to actual, like, oh, I have hives or I'm vomiting or like something physical is okay. happening, it is. It's like a fucking version of that. But the thing is. There's very little language around this, very little understanding. And it is also just incredibly terrifying to live through it and to basically keep going through that damn spin cycle. You think you're better. You think you're better. You're not better. You just keep fucking suffering. And people will say all kinds of things because they don't they're not equipped to help. And so you're sitting there and it's like it's a nightmare. And the reality is. I, you know, I'm not one to judge, but my own personal experience has taught me, don't trust no motherfucker to help you. This is what I've learned. Like, I, I will write this book and everyone will die. But when that happens, you will know why I'm telling you I can't trust no motherfucker to help me. Because huh. the reason I'm sick is motherfuckers. So I'm not like, I'm not, and here's the thing. I'm never going to tell anyone not to trust somebody or anything like that. Right, but because that's your... Because people need people. Okay. And when you are desperate and you are... And in a space where, like, you're literally looking at, like, an illness that's going to kill you, but in a really bizarre way. <laughs> when you are living through that, you need help. And you will, you are the most vulnerable, just like someone who has sure, cancer, sure. right? Like any other illness. But these things, this, where, how, where, where is it? Where is it? You can't. You right, can't, where's the light? You can't. No, but you can't it. even take a test. Where, how are oh, we going to. Right, right, right. How are we going to treat this? Oh, well, we'll just give you this concoction and that concoction. We'll see what happens. That's how it works. Okay, look, 
when you are that vulnerable and in this health, like, it's really like, why is mental health not an issue? Like, why is healthcare not an issue? Why are we in a culture that makes people sick? Is what Marianne Williamson said during the debates where she was just sort of like, she went off on this tangent, but she was basically like talking about, we live in a culture that makes us sick because part of the function of capitalism is to break us. Hmm. Whether it breaks you mentally, whether it breaks you psychologically, whether it breaks you physically, whether it breaks your spirit, your soul, your body, whether whatever it does. Breaks you financially. Yeah. Whatever it does, it hobbles you intentionally. It handicaps you to make you dependent, to feed into the system on the fundamental belief that it is the cure. So there's really, like, it really goes back to your question of, like, how do we live in a capitalist society? And yet it's a really, like, one foot in, one foot out. You have to know the system mm-hmm. and have a healthy distrust not just of the system, but the people in it, because even people that you like are tricks, okay? And they'll be out there trying to hustle you. And they'll be telling you it's for their best interest, and they'll believe it, and you'll believe that they believe it. And you'll be like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you do try to broach a subject with them, you can get some pushback. Like, I could sit here and tell you a lot of shit that I cannot tell people because they're not receptive, Sure. But once people are receptive, I'm like, <laughs> it'll all come out because I'm like, oh, I've been dying to share well, shit. Well, how, okay, so as a journalist, how can you quiet someone's inner voice from judgment and let them open their mind to actually hearing and thinking and then being able to be involved in like an honest discourse? I feel like discourse is oh, yeah. so important, but I feel sort of in um, the world we live in now that people are triggered by by fucking words that discourse is becoming less. For instance, I, I one of the things I really admire about you, Sarah, besides your incredible <laughs> taste in uh, artists and book publishing and all that, um, is that you're a real journalist where you can feel one way about something, but you can sort of represent it on the on the other side of the spectrum. I don't do that. I don't. I'm not that person. <laughs> I think you're very fair. I'm, about, I'm, not. I'm not saying that like you're like, oh... You know, there. lollipops, they're really actually good for you. Like, not that, I'm but not. I'm saying, you, but you can look at something with a journalistic eye and see both good and bad. And then, um, but I don't think it's a journalistic eye. Like, to be honest, I'm highly subjective. I only pick things that I'm about and I only support things. And I also, like, right, it's very positive, right? I intentionally, and when I take shots, it's never at the person, it's through the person. Like, where I'm like, oh, okay, you're writing about climate change. Good. I need to talk about this thing that's bothering me, and this is good. Oh, and then we can also get some shots at, like, you know, take some shots at the system. I can do all these things. But fundamentally, um, the thing is reality is a 360-degree view. So I'm trying—I know that in this human form, I can't see it all because we're a limited— creature. So I'm trying to perceive as much as I can, and I'm looking for sources, but it's still with a very subjective intention. Okay. I, have a very, I have a very clear agenda about what I'm about, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing this. But going back to your question of like, it really comes down to the same thing, like how do, you, how do you save yourself? How do you heal yourself? How do you think? You first have to want it. 
And part of wanting it is you have to actually say, I need it. And you have to be really honest where that need's coming from. And that shit is, like when I said that, my, my stomach just went, because that shit gets to your core of what is missing, where neglect exists, where abuse exists, where trauma exists, what was not done that got you misled, mis- all these things happened. And you have to be in that state of it's not just like discomfort. That's a real nice word for it. It could be actual real pain when you really get into that discomfort. Like, okay, there's a scene in Lost. I was watching it like when it was on Hulu or something, right? And, it, and they go to the boat and there's a big bomb and he has to like rewire the bomb. And I was like, oh my God, that's my brain. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. That was was right at the outset of this journey, right? And then of course the the boat blew up and it was like, oh no, I can't be saved. Like I actually did. And I really was like, I thought maybe I wouldn't. And I actually really recently reached a point where I'm like, oh my God, I can see that the end, it's over, and I can actually see the past move away from me. And I'm talking about this is like in the past month that I actually can see I'm no longer in that space. Or like attached to that. I'm just not in that, I'm not in that space of working on that bomb anymore. That thing has been dismantled. I'm in a new space where that shit still triggers in me, but I'm no longer in that. But the thing was, until I did the work, I always thought I was going to go down. And there's still new dangers, so I can't be like, I'm not going to go down. Sure. I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know that's not the danger. But the thing is, like, for people to turn around and find whatever that fucked up wired bomb is in them, whether it's a small one, whether it's a thing in Lost, what if it's a fucking nuclear reactor, like, because we don't really know what people are carrying and hiding, okay? We don't know what people have lived through and survived and had to... to to just fucking get up in the morning, right? And even if you're depressed, just get up and, like, not kill yourself is a fucking huge deal, right? Sure. So the reality is, like, for people to actually, first you have to be like, you have to be like, oh, I, I actually want this. I, I, I think I need this. Well, why do I need it? And that really comes from, like, a fundamental like going inward, it's an inward journey. So much of our, ourselves are trained to be on an outward journey and to neglect that, right? Because people don't have those answers. Because those are really answers. I, you know, again, like I could tell you all the things of like how I went on my journey. Well, don't you also feel though that a lot of people have a lot of trouble going inward because they are distracted by technology and sort of like. The brain-numbing power of sort of just being, like, entertained by, you know what I mean, these, like, small, big screens, whatever it is. Um, so I that think— they don't, That self-examination is not—you um, know, I always say, like, at, at work and stuff, like, I really need to, like, think about this stuff. And I never really get that opportunity because I'm just all—like, yeah. I'm at work. I'm at home with my, you know, young son, and, like, I don't get um, the luxury of having this extra time just to think about Mm -hmm. how I'm going to handle, like, am I doing the right thing? Like, I just have to react, and I have to do that at work all the time where, like, a project comes in. I don't really get to be like, what do I really think about this? I have to be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Okay, so I'm a backup. (laughs) A lot of things are coping mechanisms. Okay. Like when I go into the internet, I try to be very directed and I 
choose things. Like, I know when I'm numbing, okay. but I also know when I'm searching and I'm looking for answers. And I try to take that approach because it's so sustaining. And the internet has taught me everything, just about everything. It's either connected me to people who've given me these answers or given me directions, or it's like really helped me, but that's because I, it's intention. Okay. And I'm, you have to be honest when you're like, I, I need to numb because sometimes you need to numb. Like, look, I did, this, I did this whole journey high and now I'm sober. But it was like, I was just completely like, I, I can't be sober on this journey. You don't smoke the weeds? No, I mean, I will, but I'm not like smoking. You know what All I'm right, saying? Right, right, and I'm not drinking, right. but I was like very intentionally like, if I'm going to be in this space, I got to be fucked up because I can't live through the sober. Okay. And then all of a sudden it snapped and then I'm like, okay, I'm just sober. All, nowhere. I'm like, you know, and it was just completely like, that's the thing. You've got to know what the truth about when you're just coping with things, when you need to cope, when you're avoiding. Avoidance is a huge issue. Huge. And the other thing is this. While I, what you said was very telling because you're like, I have to. You don't have to do shit. You choose. The thing is right. we are actually, again, it goes down to like there's uh, – we have so much power that we don't tap into because the one upshot of living in this weirdo capitalist system is – just like with Powerhouse, I'm willing to do this for free in order to get where I need to go. If well, you can it's like create mo- like money doesn't have to be the only yeah. like. And, but if you can create a basic baseline of stability, you have the power to empower yourself if you choose that that is your priority, but you have to make it a priority. Right. What you say I have to is really just a statement of my priorities are. Money. <laughs> Like, I have to do this because I want money and, like, I'm under deadline and it's, like, but, it's for capitalism. Right. And the thing is, I made a choice where I was, like, uh, yeah, I was I was doing money and status. And then I just, like, okay, I'm going to take a big L in that area. And I'm going to go because I need, I need health. And I've basically prioritized health above all things for the rest of my life. Can you have money and status and health? I don't want any of that shit. I want a baseline and I want health. I don't like, you can only serve one master. Okay, so fair enough, wisely. because that's what, I, that's what I, I agree with you. Choose wisely. And mine is health. And health is not... Phys- health is wealth, honey. But Yeah, it's true, <laughs> but physical, mental, spiritual, financial health. Like, every right. health is every... Like, how do you move through the world is you could be healthy or unhealthy. Mm. So all I want is it's not like what, it's how. It's And it's like not like I'm living that all the time, but it's the intention of like that is my dedication. And I'm basically focusing on changing what I have to do. And I'm like, I. it's not that I don't have those moments where I have to have to. But when that happens, I get so triggered that I'm like, oh, this is making me feel sick. Oh, okay. I have to reevaluate why I'm choosing an unhealthy response Two things. And that's a whole, it's a reconditioning. It's a repatterning of, and it's, and it's a priority. And I chose it as a priority because I knew I would fucking, this would kill me. And I was like, I really don't want to die with this. I'll die with something else, but I don't want to die with this. And I will die, you know, I'll do this and die trying. Like, the get healthier, die trying. Because I mean, we all it. die. We all die. Yeah. Everyone's going to die. And I just die. was like, I want to go out on my terms. Good. I don't want to go out on terms other people gave me. So well, I totally get it. You have, as, as a fully functioning adult, no matter what your responsibilities are, you have the ability to set the priority for yourself, everyone down. That's the pimp role. Right. Like, that's the thing at the end of the day. When you position that you're the shot caller, 
everyone else lines up, but you got to go into You still got to call the shots. It's annoying. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm But it, like, cha- it becomes less annoying when you like the shots you're calling because it's coming from a place that's authentic and healthy. It, like, it is annoying, yes, but the more you move away from the annoying things, right. the things that are annoying are fundamentally unhealthy. I'm going to call, call it goddess energy instead of pimp. <laughs> Do whatever you like, Carol. <laughs> whatever makes you, you got to use the words that work. You know, but yes, I, um, you know, or like the, the, the mother energy, like the, you know, sort it's, of. Yeah, no, but like I'm just, I don't use these words for myself. No, I I'm know, but them. I mean, but really, but we, we ba- can basically, say, we can change that, that over here. it's the same shit. It yeah. really is. Like but, just. But the words, words are important because words are part of how you identify and perceive yourself and it work, it's what works. I don't use any of these words for myself. I'm just using them because I'm like, oh, this is a functional so you, so you think that there are these like specific roles for people. Some people are leaders and some people are followers and like followers can never be leaders. Everyone has, Leaders no. can never be followers. Every, like how does that? Re- well, like, if followers. You're, you're the pimp. No. Like can you ever not pimp? Like, do you know what but I mean? In this system, because I'm talking about that as a capitalist system. Right, no, I know. And we can completely say that that's capitalist and step aside because there's something larger than capitalism, which is, I think, what you're getting at, which is leaving that paradigm is just a paradigm. Right. Most people stay in a small world. We don't have to stay in that little micro world. We can completely disregard that and be like, let's change the, let's change the paradigm, leaders and followers. So basically, a true leader is somebody who sees what the people need. And gives it to them and helps facilitate it, for sure. So ultimately, it's a, it's a dialectic between. It's a yin-yang. It's a Tao flow. It's not a, like, one-sided hierarchy. This idea of a binary, of a line instead of a circle, is that's how you break things because it's false. Correct. So it's r- rigid. The thing, and, but right. yes, there are people who are dominant and there are people who are submissive. There are people who are aggressive. There are people who are passive. There are people who are both switches. You know what I mean? I agree with you. Discourse is life. <laughs> Sarah, what are you working on that we oh. should <laughs> keep our eyes out for? Oh. Or how do we how do we stay abreast of all of your musings oh, in Lord. written form? MissRosen.com? Yeah, MissRosen.com. That's it. M-I-S-S-R-O-S-E-N. Miss Rosen on, on Instagram? Yeah. or Miss, so, yeah. Uh, Once in a while, she blesses you with a post. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always well-written and always very thoughtful. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of yours, Sarah. Right Both back personally at you. and professionally. Woo. And um, thank you so much for joining us and blessing us this morning with all of your thoughts and and um observations and i'm really going to take some time to think about this (laughs) thank you girl this is fun yay Um, right. I got, I really love talking to Sarah. I could really just like talk to her all day. Her ideas are are so refreshing. That's so smart and so like smart on point. And um, one of those people that makes me feel like I'm not thinking fast enough. I think she really <laughs> thinks about stuff all the time. Like she just sits around thinking. I think that's what writers do. I guess so. Good for you. I thought I did that, but my thoughts don't make any sense. I you know I I think a lot too, but then um, I make a meme and all I forget it's everything. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, if you want to keep up with Sarah Rosen, check out her website where she publishes all of her articles, MissRosen.com. She's also on Instagram, I think, where she gives a little teaser about the stuff she's working on, Miss Rosen Editions on Instagram. Nice. Um, shout out to Ariel Franklin, our junior producer. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Shout out to Brad Worrell, our <laughs> real producer, sound engineer, and partner in this podcast. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Where, do we, where do we find you, Brad? Soundwag.com? Yeah, you can check that out at bradworrell.com. Oh, Brad Worrell. I'm trying to figure Brad out what my presence is. <laughs> world That's world. what I need to get. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Worrell World is good. Um, we forgot to prop bubbles last time. Oh, my God. Tunes by Bubbles NYC. Love it. Love the bubbles. Love the bubs. Um, and Claw and Co. And Claw, right. Um, find us online at clawandco.com. Check out our Patreon where you can get some clawandco.com merch for being a patron of the show. We need lots of love and support from you guys. Can't hurt. <laughs> if you want us to keep doing it can't right if you like it support because uh we got people to pay to work on this okay <laughs> we'll see you soon ciao ciao bella ah ciao bella <laughs> on the amo. Bye.